Just keep on breathing from beautiful Acapulco, Mexico, in paradise. Here, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co host, former mayor of a California beach town and best selling author, Debbie Peterson. And we're both in beautiful Acapulco, just enjoying the sunshine and the what else are we enjoying, Debbie? Besides the sunshine. The company. The Each company. other's company, yes. <laughs> and and our hosts, yes. And we are also yep. coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms. Platforms like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio. Oh, my gosh, I won't bore you, bore you with the list. It goes on and on. In fact, we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on caringvillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Arlene Cadet Francois, she's French if you didn't know, the first generation businesswoman empowering aspiring individuals in their assisted living journey. As an experienced ALF, and I assume that stands for Assisted Living Facility Owner and Operator, she guides and supports clients in establishing thriving ventures. And this includes choosing and taking care of ALF staff, which are widely composed of caregivers, creating profitable and impactful environments, helping others achieve their goals, and making a positive difference. Before we get started, I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Melissa Bernstein. She has a lifelong passion for healthy cooking and eating for herself, her family, and her friends. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview, along with all our other interviews, especially this one here, on our website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Carlene, so great to have you on the Caregiver Dave Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. And I always like to ask my guests just who is... Carlene Cadet Francois, and why was she placed on this earth? Yes. So my journey started when I had an itch for people. I'm one of those people that just love people. And looking back, I didn't realize that all the jobs that I've had, they were always some type of customer service jobs where I was in front of someone speaking or helping um, I ended up serving at the Broward Sheriff's Office for about 10 years, wow. 10, almost 11 years. Um, I was Sergeant Cadet Francois. I didn't have enough time <laughs> for my little ones. <laughs> so I decided that I needed to find something else that would give me a little bit more time to be mom in chief at the house. So that's how I ended up um, in the assisted living well. And I love to serve. I'm a people person, and it fits my personality. And ever since then, I've been enjoying it. Wow, you and Debbie have a lot in common. You're both, uh, uh, at, at one point, public servants. 
Right? Mm-hmm. Debbie was an, uh, a former mayor of a small beach town, and you mm-hmm. were also in government. So yes. do you miss it? Do you miss it? I miss it sometimes, <laughs> but I enjoy the freedom that I have now, so I doubt that I will go back. <laughs> Debbie, Debbie, do you miss it? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm 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 glad I served my I say I served my time. Served my time. That <laughs> paroled. Well listen. Yeah, I'm on parole now. <laughs> so were you ever a unpaid caregiver, Carleen? Unpaid? That, yeah, you know, a family caregiver caring for a grandmother well, for, or mother. Yes, for my grandmother. Um, we teamed up, we helped my grandmother, and I think that's where uh, the passion for assisted living was born. So you're um, no stranger to caregiving. And what made you decide to want to go and open up a care facility? So my my grandmother ended up at an assisted living because we couldn't have the time and we didn't, it was overwhelming at time to care for her. And, and sure. so I figured... Um, I could play a role into the assisted living because I realized that it did help my grandmother. It helped us. It took the loads off of us and it really helped the situation all in all. And so I'm very happy to be able to play a role to not only help our seniors these days, which uh, I have a deep passion for our seniors because I do believe they pave this society that we live in today and and everything is so beautiful so many opportunities and i get to play a small share of giving back well how did your grandmother react was she uh did she want to go into assisted living how did that work she didn't want to it was a lot of persuasion a lot of visitation to make her feel comfortable but eventually it played (laughs) it played out and what she was happy in the end she was happy in the end. Good. The reason I ask is because I have um, a mother and or yeah, mother-in-law and and a mother, and mm-hmm. my mother went in really happily, thrilled, so excited about it. It's like living in the Grand Hotel. We could come for dinner, and it she, you know it was a huge load off her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And um, my my mother-in-law did not want to go, and she was angry for a very long time. And then all of a sudden she realized, oh, this is so much fun. And my mother, it was, you know, it was a time of her life. She really enjoyed it. Yes, I think think they get nervous to go. But once they get there and that nervousness is out the window, they realize there are loving people here. Everyone's here, wants to help. And then they realize the unknown is not so scary. And then they enjoy themselves. Uh, it seems yes, like so you're you pretty. I, I thought you might have. I wondered if what what you can do to um, to help people realize that it's going. I don't know if there's any way to make that transition easier, but you probably have some thoughts on it. I do. <laughs> and everybody, hear me, okay? Yes. Okay. So it seems like you are a very brave woman because you you just jumped uh, from the caregiving role into, well, I think I'll open up a care facility or an independent living facility because, I mean, I put my grandmother in one. How hard could it be, right? Uh, What were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And is your grandmother in your facility or not? Passing away. But yes, you're very right. I am very brave. (laughs) 
I'm one of those people that think about what I want to do and see the difference that it can make both in my lives and other people's lives. And I jump head first and figure it out. Um, I think the assisted living well, a lot of people are intimidated by it because it's driven by policies and procedures and there's a lot of paperwork involved in it. And uh, fortunately for me, because I was already in an industry that is driven by policies and procedures in the way that we do our jobs is driven by policies and procedure. For me, it was, it was more of a smoother transition because I've had that background already. But yes, I knew that if I had to have another career, it, it was either going to be dealing with the children or dealing with the elderly. And I picked the elderly. Um, I have children in my house. I'm enjoying them. So the next phase is to enjoy our elders and to give back to them. So what was the timing? How long after your mother went into a facility did you open yours? A few years. Um, okay. Probably your, a good five years. Was she still years. alive? Was she still alive at that point when you opened yours? No, she was not. She okay. was not. She had already passed away for a few years. Yeah. So she ended up passing away, I want to say about a year after she went into assisted living. Okay. Did you open your own from scratch or did you buy an existing one? So I opened one from scratch. Wow. Um, and Very I brave. was fortunate enough to have the funds. <laughs> Very brave. It gets a little frustrating dealing with the contractors in the cities and all Tell that stuff. But what city are you in? I'm just curious. I am at the city of Fort Lauderdale in Broward County. Well, it's a great place for uh, caregivers. Everybody okay. comes and retire, retire down here. Yes, great retirement and, community. Uh, I came to it from training as a certified nursing assistant when my parents got older and I wanted to know how to take care of them. So I worked in a care mm -hmm. facility, but it was a more it was more a, a nursing home type facility than than an assisted mm -hmm. care facility. And um, a, a couple of things I'm curious about: How do you handle? Obviously, you don't have the nursing background, policies and procedures. So I don't have the nursing background. However, uh, part of our requirements is that we have a doctor which provides that nursing and that medical experience in the care for our, our patients. What they do is they come in uh, at least twice a month. Uh, they also come in upon call. Um, if the doctor cannot come, he sends his nurse, he sends his whoever he wants to send that would provide that care. That's how that works. So technically, I don't have to have that experience because I don't provide that care. All of that care, like uh, the dietitian, the uh, doctor, even people, the podiatrist that cut the toenails, for example, all these people come in to provide the care that our, our seniors need. Well, you know, usually, usually our shows are geared toward the unpaid family caregiver, but um, other mm -hmm. caregivers, paid caregivers uh, who work for themselves or work for agencies, listen to our show as well. And um, this specifically is a show for them because a lot of people don't think that paid caregivers are as dedicated to the job or get depressed if their loved one dies, but they actually do, don't they? They're very devoted. They do. 
I can tell you from my experience, they do. And a lot of times our paid caregivers become a little bit more disgruntled because they are treated like crap. Um, I get that a lot from feedbacks from people that calls me for jobs. I like to ask them why they want to leave, what's the reason, how long they've been here. And one of the reasons that they always want to leave, it's not because they want more pay, it's because of how they're treated. They're either overworked or they being treated disrespectfully. And, and your, they're very your place passionate is different. people. How do you treat your people differently? Of course. I make sure they feel appreciated. <laughs> I make sure they feel that they are part of the team because I can preach that you're part of the team all day long until the minute you feel you're part of the team. I'm just spitting out air. So little things like, for example, I make sure I ask for feedbacks. Um, if I'm doing something wrong, it's okay to tell me um, if I said something, if I did something, give me feedbacks. Get, Feedbacks giving is one of the biggest um, methods that I use to make sure my staff feel appreciated, along with other things that I can talk about, if you would now like. You so have what are those other things? For example, we celebrate birthdays. Uh, we give gift cards uh, specific places for a massage, for example, because they work very hard. And if I know if I just give a visa gift card to anything, it might go towards groceries and other things. You know, just a simple massage, a gift card to a, a specific massage place, it makes a huge difference. And giving feedbacks. Um, oftentimes, feedbacks doesn't always have to be positive, but I find that we are so prone to give negative feedbacks because we want the behavior to change. But once the behavior becomes positive, we don't give feedbacks to say, you know, I did notice that you changed X, Y, and Z, and I thank you for it, and I appreciate you for it. Yeah. And one of the notes that you had sent to, to Dave was that the effects uh, talk about the effects of scarcity mindset and how it affects behavior. And I, I'm, I'm, Curious about what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think sometimes we don't focus on the person. We're not empathized enough because as a school from different backgrounds and oftentimes we're not slowing down to realize this person have a reason why they did what they did, whether it's right or wrong. And instead of coming to say, oh, I need you to correct this right away, slowing down and finding out why they did what they did helps everyone because now you have an insight. Next time you have that same behavior, you have another insight as to how you can correct that behavior Thank so you. you run around saying, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I don't have time. You, you look at the benefit of chasing it up rather than just criticizing it. Right. So for example, I would say, you know, I know that I explained for you to do this X, Y, and Z because policies and procedures says we have to do it. Why did you choose to do it differently? And oftentimes, for example, you'll find out, depending on how this person was raised, for example, 
given a full apple instead of a, a, a half apple or a full banana instead of a full a half banana. Some people are raised because of, of their poverty level or how their their backgrounds are structured, where they came from. To them, it's okay to do that. So now I learned this about this person. Now next time I'm going to slow down and say, I understand you may have been taught to do this X, Y, and Z, but it is so important going back to what we talked about. If we don't do it this way, this is the troubles that we can get into and it will affect both me, you, and the people that we care for. And almost 100%, the behavior corrects itself. And mm -hmm. I didn't damage um, the way that they look at me. I didn't cause them to have, you know, to become disgruntled. We just correct the behavior together. And everyone feel like they're part of the team. Well, I've learned a lot from you right there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And so does that play into the the cultural awareness in the workplace? Is 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 that okay? Yes. That definitely ties in together because I think in the workplace, um, if we just focus on learning about each other, it's easier said than done. Sometimes all it takes is as we walk into the lunchroom or outside on our break, have a little small conversation. Now you learn something about this person and this person learns something about you. And collectively as a leader, you have insider knowledge. For me, when I walk into a place and I see different people that looks different, I'm so excited because I get to slow down and learn something I didn't know before. And as a leader, I do believe we all have to find a way to learn because if you don't know, you can't lead correctly. And that is the real beauty of diversity. It's when, yes. okay, we may be different in all kinds of ways, but it's when we start talking to one another and um, understanding why we're different and we learn from each other. That's mm -hmm. why it's important. Yeah, I love it. Yes. yes. You know, um, getting back to uh, appreciation, um, they, you really have no control over how the, um, the loved ones, I'll call them, treat your caregivers, do you? Because uh, many times they're unappreciated by the ones that they care for and also to the staff. So you obviously you have control over over how you guys treat your caregivers. But how about how the loved ones treat them? Uh, is it is it typically good or bad or mixed? It's a mix, and I do have control over that. Really? I don't have control about what someone do or say, but I do have control to get feedbacks from my staff and to go back to that person and kindly say, next time you come back, do you mind being kind to my staff? These are the reasons why it's important to be kind to each other and why I appreciate next time you come by. And if you don't like something, if you don't like, unless your mom or your, your dad is in danger, I understand. We don't do danger here. I know my team and everyone do what they supposed to do. Unless there's a big, big issue, please be kind to my staff and you can always reach out to me. I'm always here to be the mediator and to make sure at the end of the day, I'm in charge, I'm responsible for everyone, the staff, the residents, everyone. And oftentimes I get a negative feedback myself, but I stand my ground 
and I let them know <laughs> we're either going to do the right thing or we may not be able to do business together. That's and I find that it works. That's good because a lot of staff were afraid to discipline, discipline in quotes, uh, the loved ones who are receiving the care. They're afraid they'll lose them or they're, they'll complain to the, you know, to the ones at home and they'll pull you out and then you lose the money. But how would you generally discipline a problem uh, loved one who is just not following the rules and you've already given them the talk and they're just ignoring you? What, what do you what's next? In that case, I would just give them an order. We can't do business together. It's usually 60 days in advance. Um, but progressively, hopefully it never gets to that part. I've never yes. had to give that 60 days notice because of disrespectful and rudely behaviors. Yes. But if it came to that, um, that's what I would do. Because honestly, I want to be able to know that my staff are well they're sound they're doing their job from a sound place because when i turn around i want to make sure my residents are being cared for and if i have a specific family member that comes in and all they want to do is give trouble um first i don't believe they really need our help because if you really need the help and if you're receiving the help and, it, and unless it's a problem if you're just coming in to pick on people I will not tolerate that. <laughs> yeah, like I have no tolerance for that. That's good. Your caregivers <laughs> know that you have their back, and that's very, very good. Oh, yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. okay. And they have yours. And it, it works. It's mutual. It can be mutual. I One of the things that we used to say, and I'm probably preaching to the converted here, but um, often all it took was saying to uh, a patient, um, or a guest or a client or however you call them, we would say, when you do that, it really hurts my feelings. And sometimes that was all it would take is letting them know that what they were doing made us feel bad. And uh, it, would, it would stop it. Yes, we have one client, for example, that have moments. And then later on, she'll come down and she'll apologize. So I'm more... I will tolerate more of moments from my clients because I know a lot of times they don't mean what they're doing. They don't fully understand the effect of it. A lot of it is just symptoms of what they're going through. In, and I can only imagine how they feel. So I'm more patient with that. I don't, in my staff, are more patient with that. But for someone who should be in a sound place or who don't need assisted living, I look at it differently because I know we all have different um, things going on. Some people may have mental health issues. Some people uh, may have had a very bad day. You know, there's many reasons why. And some people are just straight, rude and disrespectful individuals. And, you know, there are many reasons why someone could be having a hard day and they come in and they act a certain way. My approach is always to communicate about it. And I set my expectations. You know, we all need money to live a, a good life, but some money is just not worth it. <laughs> so, so what about the problems in, in, uh, in facilities uh, with minorities? And do you have those same problems? So in my facility, I have heard issues with minorities in the workplace and part of the 
reasons I like to talk about it because I want our caregivers to know that even though you may not work for me, I want to bring awareness to it because assisted living is driven by minorities. You know, the caregivers, people who are doing the care, who are providing the day to day, majority of them are minorities. And oftentimes, I think it's that cultural awareness and being able to empathize with someone. But if we don't slow down to understand where this person is coming from, I think sometimes people in the workplace cause issues out of ignorance because they refuse to slow down <laughs> and get to know the people that you work with. Right. And you know, oftentimes they feel they are underappreciated because they feel they don't have a voice because no one takes the time to ask them, how are you doing? How is your day? And if they do come up with issues, a lot of the issues that they've mentioned that they come up with is scheduling issues. Oftentimes they have issues in their families. Trainings need to be done when it comes to the culture awareness in the workplace. We would think this is 2023 and we would all know, right? But that is far from the truth. Do you have a multicultural staff, you know, Filipino, Hispanic, Black, uh, and, you know, Latin America? I mean, is it pretty, pretty mixed up? I don't because I'm very small. I'm very small. And so... But I do bring the awareness to the people that I speak to when I'm represented somewhere, when I represent my facility. Um, but if someone did apply for those positions, they would get them. <laughs> but yes. So you want to talk about emotional intelligence, self-discipline and self-control? Yes. <laughs> I think it all ties down to it. Um, I always assume that I don't know what's going on in someone's head. Um, so it's probably because of my background, but I think, um, another way to make sure that we give our best is to understand that different people operate from a different emotional space. And even though we may be old enough and should know better, a lot of people are not old enough emotionally. And so um, being emotionally aware, whether it's from a caregiver perspective or a leadership perspective or the family member that's coming in plays a major role because at the end of the day, you can quickly assess where that person is. And oftentimes, if you can quickly assess, you can choose to do or not to do something about it, but at least you know um, that you were able to assess the situation and realize, you know, something is not right with this caregiver. Perhaps I should call someone else to replace her shift and let her know, hey, go home. You're still going to get paid. I know, you know, some people might have to get the approval to do that, but at least you make sure you assess the situation and make the right choice. So being a voice to others, I like to say to our family members, if there's one listening, if you walk into an assisted living and you see that 
um, a supervisor is not treating your caregiver correctly, you can say something, you know, you can either walk away to the caregiver and say, you know, what was said to you was very sad. And I'm sorry, you had to hear that, that will make the caregiver feel, you know, somewhat better, or uh, let them know that someone actually cares. Now, to a caregiver or family member comes in, and it's, either rude or disrespectful to you, you do have a voice, bring it up to your supervisor. If your supervisor don't listen, bring it up to um, another staff who's probably more fierce than you are that could bring it up, push it up even higher. But nonetheless, you know, someone will help you find your voice. It's just that sometimes it's just taking the time to not just take it and to feel like if you're not strong enough to do something about it on your own, Perhaps you can get with somebody else who is probably a little stronger than you are that can push that issue up a little um, more than you can. So maybe there's some um, crazy people out there who actually want to open their own assisted living facility. Can you give them a step-by-step guide so they don't make the same mistakes perhaps you made and make it a little easier? Because we do know there's a shortage of those kinds of all kinds of facilities shortage of caregivers, shortage of everything. It's the caregiver tsunami, I say, that's coming. Too many uh, people from the um, baby boomer generation who are getting older and need care and not enough people to support it. What do we do? Yes. So what we do is we open good assistive living. Okay. <laughs> the key word is good, yes. <laughs> One we that I wouldn't good. mind putting my cat in. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so do you actually have a guide for that? You have something that can help people do that? Yes, I do. CarleenCadetFrancois.com. I have a free guide. It's a step-by-step on how to open an assisted living facility from scratch. Um, just oh, go on there. Go ahead. <laughs> Go on the oh, website. I just said, wow, from someone who did it. Yeah. Yes, from someone who did it. Um, I made a lot of mistakes, but it was worth it. CarleenCadetFrancois.com. Uh, just put your name in your email. It would automatically download to your email. And I always preach for good assistive living. Um, if a lot of our caregivers, they want to open assistive living. Um, yes, I spoke to some, you know, a lot of them I come in contact with because they call me for a position. They look me online and they call me for a position. And I always ask, have you thought about opening your own? Um, one of the biggest hurdles that they have is the fact that they don't have enough income. And I thought perhaps why don't you, you know, joint venture with somebody else, you know, you bring your money together and you open an assisted living and you too can work there or you can hire people to work there and you get to do things how you want to do things. That's so Hopefully refreshing. the right way. So refreshing to hear you say that because so many in this industry are like, you know, us against them. I'm not going to help you because it might take away from me and, uh, you know, it might hurt me to help you as far as being uh, in the business, in the industry. But um, in order to tell uh, a caregiver that you should open a new facility, you might lose a caregiver that you could have hired and probably need, but yet you have a longer vision 
or uh, longer term. Good for you. Yes. So I think the way that we treat people, um, I think if you're if if you're someone who loses caregiver, you probably should be looking at yourself because <laughs> whether you empower that caregiver or not, um, the way you treat people will determine how long they hang around you. That's and true. I'm always into empowering others because someone did that to me. And that's why I'm able to be who I am today. So for me, it's not always about me. And I find that if I can help someone, I feel good. At the end of the day, I feel like, you know, I put something good into the universe. And at some point, hopefully when I'm old and can't defend myself, it'll come back to me. And so that's how I look at it. I always look for ways to help someone else. And I think if we all could do that, um, life would be so much better because a $140 billion industry, uh, that's, that's the, you know, the baby boomers that are going to be needing uh, ALFs. There's enough for all of us to gain something and, and right. to win something and to feel good about ourselves. And caregivers contact me all the time because they think I'm a placement agency. They're not sure what I do, but they said, I'm looking for a job. I just send them to care.com, which is a national placement uh, center. But um, how do you find caregivers? So with the way that I find caregivers, I start weirdly. I look at things <laughs> differently, as you can probably assume. I go to the local churches. I meet with, you know, some of the leaders there. Sometimes I meet some people right there on the spot, right after church. And I get to say, you know, I'm looking for people for work. This is who I am. This is what I do. Give me a try. And if you like me, if you like my vibe, the, you know, the way that I manage my facility, hang around. And oftentimes they do. Yes. So I needed some training myself to get into the business. So there's a lot of training involved. Um, they need to be certified. And I help them with that. Um, a lot of them don't have the license yet. All it takes is a home health aide or a CNA, certified nursing assistant, and that doesn't take long. Um, but to open an assisted living, you need to have a license. The process is much longer and it's quite expensive depending on what size you want to open. This is the reason why I preach doing a joint venture where two people with a common goal get together and then they open a business together. Debbie, you want to take that last question? Yeah, um, I, I'm curious. So you do hire certified nursing assistants for what you're doing? Yes. Okay. And then how do you find, I guess this one is, well, staff and clients, then how do you get your, you've got staff, but what about clients? So for clients, the same thing. You know, I tell people what I do. I post pictures online and I do work with some placement agents also. And they send me, it's all community networking, um, talking to people, which I enjoy doing anyway. And then they remember that nice lady, you know, when their mm -hmm. mom need a place to go, they remember that lady that helped them. And you, over time, people get to know you, you get to know them and they bring you people. They bring you, you know, clients for your assisted living. Okay. So a lot of family caregivers are watching and now their loved one is keeping them up all night long because maybe they have bed sores they need to be turned and they just can't 
provide 24-7 care and maybe they promised their father that they were going to, you know, never put their loved one in a nursing home or a facility, quote unquote. Um, but they need to do this or they're going to die or get very sick. So um, how do they find a good facility? Because you keep saying good facility and not a bad facility because the good facilities are not, are few and far between of the bad facilities. Yes. Yes, I've heard some horror stories. Um, <laughs> I always say, do a Google search, go physically and see what's going on. Unannounced? Um, most of the time, those appointments are scheduled unless you have a loved one there. So I don't want to mislead and say unannounced. You can show up unannounced once you have someone at the facility. But certainly you can try. You can try and show up unannounced and see what happens. Worst case well, scenario, they tell you you need an appointment and they don't let you in. But you, yeah, but but at least you're there. You can look around. And I know when I was looking for my mother, I I stopped in unannounced, and they said, "Well, you need an appointment." I said, "Okay, can I just kind of look around and see uh, if if it if it's worth coming back?" And they said, "Yeah, mm -hmm. go ahead." And you can do the smell test, right? See if it smells like a hospital or if it smells like a, a, a kitty litter box. Mm -hmm. You can peek down the hallway, see if the wheelchairs are staring at blank walls and, and not having activities going, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I say definitely stop by and pay attention to your senses and look around. How do the caregiver look? How they feel? You know, do they seem like they cannot wait to run out of here and never come back? <laughs> you know, how does... Are they the smiling? <laughs> are they smiling? Do they seem like, you know, they're being treated like crap? How does the other residents look? You know, do they seem... Uh, I've walked into some places where, you know, if you walk in, pay attention to your senses because your senses will tell you a lot more than your eyes will and pay attention if the place is organized uh if 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 everything is chaotic you know boxes everywhere you know something is not right you know right. so showing up and paying attention to what is going on uh the caregiver and the other residents and there will in your smell you mentioned that <laughs> We'll give you a good sense of where you are. Well, I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, ask you some questions, or maybe even put a loved one in your facility in Florida, how can they get a hold of you? CarleenCadetFrancois.com. Um, my information is on there. And if they want um, you know, to reach out to me or download the free guide, that information is there. Mm -hmm. I'm also on all social media platform at Carlene Cadet Francois, and I'd love to connect and learn more. I also have I also have a book on how to open an assisted living. It's on Amazon right now, and oh. if anybody wants, you know, to learn how to do that, the book is on Amazon. Um, it's how to open an assisted living from start to finish. How many pages is that book? I think it's like less than 300 pages. Okay. It's like something. <laughs> it's an easy read. <laughs> Debbie, how do, how do people get a hold of you if they want to find out what you do? 
Well, like uh, Carlene, I'm at my name, DebbiePeterson.com, and I have a couple of books on Amazon as well on how to make sure that your city doesn't become corrupt like mine was. And if it does, how do you fix it? So you can get City Council 101 or go to my uh, podcast at CorruptionChronicles.com on YouTube. And I'm at caregiverdave.com, and I have a Facebook page, 34,000 followers, Caregiver Dave. And you can visit me there and find out about my new book, uh, Secrets from the Hammock, uh, Uncommon uh, Wisdom for Uncommon Times, available wherever books are sold. And uh, if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you happen to be watching or listening to this interview on, it will help us reach even more caregivers by something about Google's search engine algorithms, however that works. Thank you all to my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again.